Revelation 21. And probably immediately you're going to say, see, Revelation 21, that would be prophecy, something future. And then you would probably say, the Lord must have picked that duet out. Because that was all prophecy you just heard. Praise the Lord for that. And praise the Lord that this is the only time that the pastor is going to be away for weeks and weeks. <laughs> After today, you may feel free to text him, hurry back, please. <laughs> In the meantime, we can, uh, we can make do. Revelation 21. Keep your Bible in front of you, please. We'll go to seven different portions of scripture, including this one, like your Bible or your techie device, whichever one you're using. My wife is on her new Kindle reader, whatever that is. So you may feel free to use whatever, but have it there. I'd like you to turn to every scripture. I will give you time to turn. It's so important that we as believers are looking at what God says over the top of what some horrible voice is saying. Are you there? Revelation 21, verse 1. If you look at verse 2, you see the human writer writing in the power of the Spirit of Christ. Okay. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea and I John saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven verse 3 he says I heard a great voice God God with us verse 5 and he God that set upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Did you pick up on our keyword? Of course you did. New can be a very pleasant word, can't it? And you say, in terms of what we just read, pleasant is an understatement. In terms of the song we just heard, new is an understatement. And pleasant is an understatement. <clears throat> Let's go away from this for just a moment. Let's bring ourselves down to planet Earth, where we have to exist between now and when there's coming today. And let's think just in terms of uh, the Earth for a moment and how the word new can be pleasant. Think of just not too long ago, you were wishing one another a happy new year. No one says, hey, wretched New Year to you. We don't do that, do we? Happy New Year. Uh, another example, you got a new car or a new pickup. Isn't that a pleasant new? How about a new job? I wish I had one of those. And so do most of you. How about, ladies, a new pair of shoes to go with the other 41 pair in your closet? Don't look at me like that. I live with Laverne. But we've got to understand that the things of this earth that are new for a moment 
all of a sudden they begin to fizzle away, don't they? It's called entropy is the word. It is a constant, inevitable decay of everything of this earth because the earth is fragile. The earth is fleeting so that um, Happy New Year was now six weeks ago and we're well into the old year. That car, you drive it off the lot and it loses hundreds of dollars of value. Are those new shoes, lady? It's almost spring. You will want another different new pair. And your husband will go, what sort of things in there? Those old things. You only wore them three times. It's just the way it is with this earth. But you knew we were coming to this. When it comes to our Heavenly Father, and what he grants us in newness, that newness never goes away. It never grows old. He showers us with newness. And by the way, this God that we are under made it new, is making it new, will make it new according to scripture. He's a hyperactive God. He's doing what we don't know he's doing. While we're asleep, the good shepherd is at work. He's always making things new. Um, say this verse in your heart. Get ready for the next word when I stop. Here's a good verse for us, kind of a support text to what we're saying here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man, any person, any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And so if you've if you are in Christ, if you trusted Christ as Savior, you are new. He made you new. You are new. You will always be new. The newness doesn't go away. Isn't that wonderful? A wonderful truth to us. And an invitation to anyone that's here that doesn't know Christ as your Savior. The invitation is always open here. Please, as we end our service today in about 28 minutes, just tap somebody on the shoulder, anyone, myself, anyone. Could you show me the way to be a new creature in Jesus Christ? And we'd be glad to show you that. Maybe you'd like to meet during the course of the week somebody to stop by. Pastor Vanderhart, his wife, they'd be glad to stop by and take you through the gospel plan of newness. So I'm reading, you're, you're looking at Revelation 21. I'm looking at this, I was reading through it and I thought, thought he's going to make all things new. I thought, what a wonderful truth to us. What a wonderful message that could be. No kidding, this is the way it worked. And then Pastor Elder said, oh, I'm going to go see a grandbaby. Could you speak for me? I thought, hey, a message on new things in Christ. But when God says things because he, is, uh, he exists in infinitude, new things goes on forever and ever and ever. And now we're down to about 25 minutes. So I thought, how are we going to trim this down to just a few? And I'd like to say the Lord put this in my heart. Maybe he did. All of a sudden, I'm thinking of this little chorus and the, the lyrics, you might say, the poetry to that chorus that we used to sing years ago. And years ago for me was way before you were born. I thought, yes, that's it. It was this little, the poetry, it was this little chorus. And every phrase, about five words each, six phrases, 
speaks to something from the Bible that is new for us. And so I thought, okay, we've got to trim this down. We're going to go to those six things, that's the word the Bible uses, that have been new, they are new, they're going to be new from that course. And as I'm going through these, I'm going to be looking for people going, hey, I know that chorus. I had never seen it in print. We just sang it when I was a kid or whatever. I'd never seen it in print until just recently. Just recently. And I'm looking for you to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've sang that before. Are you ready? Let's get started. Go to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. New things. New things that we have in Christ even now. New for now and new forever. Psalm 40, are you there? It's good for us to see these. Don't feel badly. I have mine all marked with my little tabbies. I'm ahead of you. Are you ready? Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry he brought me up out of a horrible pit out of miry clay the psalmist must have known me set my feet upon the rock and established my goings he hath put a new song in my heart oh isn't that wonderful he put a new song in my heart so was there a previous song? Was there a song prior to this? We'll get back to that in a moment, but let's just say, commentation on this says, it's not a particular song, but rather a particular theme to all the songs that the believer would sing. It is a baseline, foundational theme, and we'll get to that theme in just a moment. So that all songs that we sing, that we sang today, that were sung to you, all songs will come from that base theme. What was the former song then? Well, we're told to go, don't do it now. We're told to look to Job. In Job 38, God is speaking, and he's actually in love, affirming for Job, and he's encouraging Job, and he says, God says to Job there, where were you when the stars of the morning sang together? And if you go home and read from Job 38, you will know that there God was speaking of creation when he made things new the first time. The things new that we could see, that we could touch, that we could handle, when he made them new the first time. Can you imagine that song? When the stars of the morning sang about what they were seeing done by the God of the universe because they could see galaxies that we can't see and they could see the intricacies and the beauty of the earth and they could see how God made man in his own image a fearful and wonderful thing that God made no wonder they were singing no wonder the beautiful song then but sin plunged that song into a, an evil pandemonium and that's where we live now. 
So God gave us a new song. It's right there. God puts a new song in us. By the way, I'm sitting up here listening. You might have seen my mouth move. I don't know if anybody's looking. Nobody wants to hear me sing. I don't want to hear me sing. So I'm just listening to you during the song service. Wonderful. Wonderful. Sing out. Those songs emanate from the foundation. What is that foundation to our new song? Well, last week, Pastor Outler was, was reading to you from Revelation 5. What's happening in Revelation 5? That same John in Revelation 5 is weeping. And an angel comes to him and says, stop weeping. He said, well, I'm weeping because there's a book. What is that book? We're not sure. And he said, but nobody can open it. And the angel says, weep not. For there's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And in came a lamb. And when he opened the book, Four and twenty elders. Who are they? Well, it's not me. Don't know yet. We'll find out because there's coming a day. The four and twenty elders, the Bible says, in, and, and this is where pastors started reading to you, fell on their faces and they sang a new song. You know what the song is? It's in Revelation 5. Don't look now. We've got to move on. It's only two verses. And it's verses, it's words of the song that you will hear when you get to heaven just any day now. It's only two verses. Might do you well to go home for homework, open to Revelation 5, and read songs of heaven. Beautiful song of heaven. And you might memorize it because we're going to hear it in heaven again. Right in the middle of those two verses is redeemed by the blood. Hmm. So commentation tells us our new song is the song of redemption. The first song was a song of creation. Our song now is a song of redemption. And every song you sang this morning, and that you'll sing any time you get together as the body in Christ, somehow it emanates from redemption, doesn't it? Think about that. Your whole hymnal is theology based on the redemption of us. Let's move on. Go to the hundredth psalm. We have a new song. This little chorus goes on to say, we serve a new master. We serve a new master. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gratitude gladness come before his presence in singing know ye that the lord is yahweh is god it is he that made us not we ourselves we are his people sheep of his pasture we serve a new master we have a new song we serve a new master so many things you could say about that and some things are running through your heart right now Ah, uh, yes, I serve this new master. You know, our former master had complete control of us. Don't be surprised when the people you move with that don't know the Lord as Savior are acting like a different master. His name would be Satan, the devil, Abdon, Apollyon, Beelzebub. Don't be surprised when they act like that. They are under a different master. And God's word tells us that to whom you 
yield yourself servants to obey his servants you are whom you obey we are now under a new master in john 13 just before he goes to the cross jesus puts i think some kind of an apron on and then he fills a bowl of water then he gets down on his knees i presume the god of the universe the creator of all of us started washing creatures feet Hmm. and that story is full of theology but for right now one thing comes out of that based on this little chorus we serve a new master when jesus gets done he asks them i paraphrase do you know what i just did to you and they weren't quite sure jesus hadn't died and buried and rose again and those poor disciples didn't have the complete canon of scriptures so they were probably, um, you washed our feet? <laughs> and Jesus went on to say, well, the servant is not above the master. The master pulls the servants up, and you need to do as I have done to you. Service. We serve a new master, and he wants us to serve. He was the servant king. He came to serve us in ultimate service on a cross, bringing us eternal new life. Next one, number three. You'll go back to Revelation now, all the way back to the end of the Bible. Revelation 3. We have a new song. We serve a new master. The little chorus goes. Revelation 3 and verse 11. Behold, I come quickly, Jesus speaking. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. Oh. You might say, I'm good with my name. Well, once again, this is a new name that is given to us. Does God know our names? Uh, of course he does. The Bible says that God named the, the stars of the heaven and he knows them all. He certainly knows those that he sent his son to die for. But he adds to us and shrouds us with a new name. And so I've got this little illustration. It works for my little brain. In this congregation are some unmarried young ladies I'm going to be careful who I pick because I only want to get beaten by one person I'm going to pick on Miss Book the lady at the piano over and over okay I don't think she's even in the room so we might get away with this <laughs> Miss Book is Miss Book and she's Miss Book for however long for about 10 to 15 more years, 
And then she runs into Mr. Wonderful. Now, Mr. Wonderful better have been sent of God. Absolutely a heaven-made match for all of our young ladies, 10 to 15 years from now, ladies. No rush. And they get along very well, and that poor guy has to go through the screening of all the men in this room, including Mr. Book in particular, poor guy. And then one day, Miss Book comes walking down an aisle in a ceremony in a white dress, and in a moment she says to a question, I do. And just like that, she gets a new name. Hmm. And you know the scripture, you know the prophecy tells us that one day there will be a marriage supper of the Lamb and the body of Christ, who is also known as the bride of Christ, will receive officially that new name. Now the illustration falls short because poor Miss Book doesn't become Miss Wonderful, Mrs. Wonderful, until she says, I do. We receive that new name. You remember God exists in eternality. When we've accepted him as Savior, we have the new name then. And that name sticks with us. It never grows old. It will be a name that we carry into eternity some golden daybreak. Let's move on. Next, go to Hebrews. Not very far from Revelation. Back the other direction, Hebrews 10. We have three more and we're done. And then you can take it from there. Because remember, the new things go on forever and ever. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 and verse 13, 16, 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, saith the Lord. Go to verse 17. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Could God bring them back up? God doesn't forget. God chooses not to bring them up. Verse 18. Now where remission of these things is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. Hmm. Now you'd have to read the whole of Hebrews to know where this came from, where it is going. But the little chorus I was telling you about puts it like this. We walk a new road. We walk a new road. We have a new song. We serve a new master. We wear a new name. We walk a new road. I've not seen anybody nod say, I know that song. We walk a new road. The new road, well, we could say it this way. Scripture tells us that straight is the gate, that narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. And so many Christians treat it this way. Straight is the gate. You can only get there by way of Jesus. That's what Hebrews is all about. He is the new and living way. They used to, before the cross, they looked to Jesus based on Blood sacrifices of bulls and goats. And they could never wash away sin permanently. Finally, there was a once-for-all, never-to-be-repeated atonement sacrifice of the Lamb. 
a new and living way. So it's not just we go to heaven through Jesus alone. Jesus said it this way. You know the verse in John. I am the way, the truth, and the life. One door and only one. But it goes on to say way. We are on this Christ-like way that he expects us to live. And that, by the way, segues into our next point, the next phrase in that little chorus. That he, Jesus Christ, is both the straight gate and the narrow way. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You don't lose your salvation because you don't. But he says, there's a new and living way. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that go thereat. Narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting, and few there be that find it. And God expects us to live according to that new way because we have it, because we have it available to us. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. The end thereof is the way of death. But we have the way of eternal life. We sing a new song. We serve a new master. We wear a new name. We walk a new road. Next, go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. The second to last phrase of the little chorus. I'm so glad for this chorus. It made a very easy message for us. The second to last phrase says, I have a new goal. I have a new goal. G-O-A-L. No, goals are good on the base level. Some of you have set some goals for this coming week, right? I've got a bigger one that maybe all of us could uh, attach ourselves to on this particular day, the 12th of February. One year ago tomorrow... 32 athletic teams, one year ago tomorrow, a year ago, 32 athletic teams set a goal. There were hundreds of players, staff, and coaches, and teaming thousands of supporters called fans, fanatics, who were following their particular team in this goal. Are you with me? No, we're going with this. And they all plunged into getting that, get to that goal, and one by one they fell aside. <laughs> so that today only two of them are left. And at the end of this day, only one of them will have achieved the goal. Now, if you take the analogy and run with it, and you can do this all afternoon, they all had the goal. Good. They all wore a uniform. Good like a helmet of salvation. They all had, okay, they all had the goal, but it was earthy. And only one achieves that goal, really. The Bible tells us, so run that you may obtain. We don't fight a fight for no good reason. At the end of this day, one will achieve that goal. I really don't care which. And in about three weeks, none of us will remember who who on earth won that game anyway. We probably won't care. And beyond that, 
beyond that, tomorrow they start heading out to the new goal. Starts all over. That's the grind that humans deal with. But the goal that we have is stated clearly in Ephesians, and it's a never-ending goal. Look at it. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Verse 2. According as he hath, be careful now, be, according as he hath chosen us before the foundation of the world. Oh, is that about salvation? No, it's not. Look at the rest of the verse. That we, we that have accepted, we that first trusted in Christ, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Go on to verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. That's part one of this goal, this new goal. Whatever this earth is reaching for, do you realize how much money, time, expense, effort was put in to one team reaching a goal that really doesn't matter? I'm going to say probably God doesn't care. Well, he does. He, he oversees the entire earth. But God isn't focused on the goals of man. He's focused on his believers following the goal that he set for us. And what is the goal? That we are holy and without blame. In writing to the Thessalonian believers, Paul writes, prove all things. That's old English for put everything to a test. Run everything you do through the screen of the holiness of Christ. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. And abstain from every appearance of evil. Why? That we, that last verse we read, should be to the praise of his glory. That should be our daily goal. And so much more as we see the day approaching. The world needs to see a bright light, and that bright light is seen by people who are walking with Christ because the world is forever in entropy, diving into deep sin sickness that we can't even discuss in a polite company. It's awful. And the more like Christ we are, the more like Christ we set our goal to be, the vastly different we are from them, and then they want what we've got, at least some of them. They want that narrow way that leads to life everlasting. I had a man at work Friday, George. He brought the subject up. George is his name. Pray for George. I was able to tell him about a redeemer that paid the price for George. He kept saying, this world, this world. And then he asked me, he said, what are we going to do? How about go to heaven, George? Are we just fine? so important that we understand that's our goal but there's a second part to that goal jesus when he rose up from the grave we find in the gospels he meets with his disciples and in, in mark's gospel as he meets with them he first scolds them for their faithlessness if i'd been there he'd be scolding me too and then he said you go into all the world and preach the gospel and one thing Pastor Outler harps on, harps on, harps on, is something that he ought to harp on. He's an evangelist, so should we be. He should not be more concerned about the lost in this world than we are. 
Now, he doesn't move in the circles that you move in. In fact, he has to move with, like, Pastor Vanderhart. I think Pastor Vanderhart's born again. I don't think he needs a testimony. So, Pastor goes out door knocking. Your, your mission field comes right to you at work tomorrow. It's your neighborhood. And, yes, you can knock on their door. It's the people you, you mix with, the people that you go and see. Two-part goal, glorify God and tell others about him. That will fill up your time between now and heaven. Last one. Go to John 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John 14. John 14 and verse 27. You know this verse. You could have quoted it without looking. It's good for us to look at it put our finger on it, even put your hand on it, and then touch your heart. It's the living word. Jesus speaking, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Stop, time out. Not as the world giveth. He interjected that for a reason. Because Jesus is the word, the word is Jesus. Jesus could have quoted for them right then, Isaiah, Isaiah 57, where the prophet says, the wicked are as the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. You won't find it out there. They don't have it. You find it in the inner strengthening of the Holy Spirit within. Do you know you're on your way to heaven? Back to the verse. Let's say it again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Then he says, and he makes a direct command in the New Testament. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. We have a new peace. A peace that the world doesn't have. A peace that the world can't give. So the little chorus goes like this. I sing a new song. Since Jesus came, serve a new master, wear a new name, walk a new road, have a new goal, know a new peace down deep in my soul. Where did I find that in print? In your hymn book. I just flipped it through it one day. Oh, there it is. Look for it later. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these new things. We can't begin to fathom, imagine the new things that you have for us future. But we know that these things are in your word. These new things are afforded us. We thank you so much for it. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, please take a moment of silent prayer. Quietly pray. Somehow, the Spirit of God worked in every one of us in this message. I'll give you a moment, and then we'll close. And, oh, holy God, we thank you so much for those things you have for us coming. We pray that you would help us to live according to that goal. We pray that you would help us as we go out from here, even this day, as we start a new day tomorrow, should you tarry, that the world would see a bright and shining light of people that have access to all the new things from your sovereign throne. Bless as we finish our service today. 
In Jesus' name, amen.